0: This morning, as we get into the message, I hope you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to look at a message entitled, Our Heavenly Father. Now, for some of you, Father's Day uh, can be a great day, and it's enjoyable, and uh, you're going to see your dad today, and um, your, your dad has been in your life and pouring into you, then I want to encourage you, take that time today and thank him, uh, do something a little extra special for him, and maybe for some of you, uh, your birth father's not in your life, um, but there's someone else a a male figure, whether that's a stepdad or someone like that, uh, that's pouring into your life, that's involved, well, make sure to thank them. Make sure uh, to do something special for them. Um, And for some of you, this is a difficult day, because maybe your dad is, um, maybe he's not around. Maybe you've never met your dad. Maybe he isn't in your life, or maybe he's not involved, or, um, you know, there's some some sort of issue that, that comes with that. Um, wherever you might be today, um, we're going to look, in a sense, wherever our dad is, whether the best dad in the world or someone we've never met in our entire lives, as we're to look at them, we are to, in a sense, look past them and see our heavenly father. That, that is really God's design uh, within, within fatherhood, within uh, how you and I view our dad, whether in great light or maybe we don't have a good relationship with him, uh, that we are to always, though see them and thank them and acknowledge them, no doubt, we are to look past them and see God, our Father, in heaven. And I want you to think about it today, right? God says in his word over and over again within the New Testament that you and I are to relate to God as Father. Everyone say Father that we are to look at God in a fatherly way. That God says, I want you to refer to me as father. And think about it. You see, God isn't dumb. You guys know that? God is the farthest thing from dumb that you could possibly be. He is brilliant in every way and he doesn't do things without reason or purpose. God has never done anything whimsical. Do you know what that means? Kind of with no care. No, everything he does, everything he tells us in his word is with intention, purpose, and reason. And one of the main ways within the Bible that you and I are to refer to him is as father. There's obviously other things that God wants us to refer to him as, but the main thing, the thing that seems to trump all other things is that God says, I want you to refer to me as dad. I want you to refer to me as father. And this was no doubt intentional and by design. It's not that God kind of picked one day, you know what I think would be a good thing? I want them to see me as their father. And then just went along his way. No, this was intentional. This was by design. You see, the, the role of a father in the life of a child is crucial. And the statistics and numbers on this is staggering. Whether you, you take families that the, the father is absent, uh, the, the numbers on that child of, of whatever it might be, the, the intention to do things that aren't good or the, the, the value of success, it it's escalates like crazy. You see, God is designed for both the mother and the father to be in the home. And a father has a huge role. However, you see, God represents... Us, himself to us as father and that we are his children, right? right? And whether we have that perfect dad or not, which we, none of us have perfect dads, even if they're awesome, uh, whether we have a dad that we're content with or that we have a good relationship with, uh, we know what a father is supposed to be like. You know that. And that's how you can determine whether you have a good one or not so good of one. Because in your heart, there's something intrinsic in you, meaning something that God has placed in you that you know what a good father and what a bad father is supposed to be. You see what a good father is, and so if there's lack there, you can see uh, what's missing. And I want you guys to give me, talk with me a little bit. What, what comes to your mind uh, when you think of a good father? What kind of attributes or characteristics would a good father have? Give me, some, give me some words. Caleb. Okay, so he cares about you, right? He's got your best interests in mind. Awesome, what else? Yeah. He's understanding, totally. When you're able to kind of talk with him and uh, he would be like able to relate to you a little bit. For sure, that would be a good father, yeah. Hopeful? Helpful, right? When you ask, hey, dad, help. How many times have you asked that? Uh, and he's, he's right there to your aid, for sure. Yeah. Huh? Goodness, right? He's just good. Yeah. Perfect balance, right? That he's not like, I don't care about you. You can run out in the street, but he's also not like, I'm going to kill you if you do anything wrong, right? He's, there's a good balance there, for sure. What other kind of things come to mind? Yeah protective, right? If someone tries to harm you, he's going to kill them and he doesn't care who's around or what the consequences are, right? He will protect you at all costs. Yeah. Huh? Loving, loving right? He, he, he's loving towards you for sure. Maybe he even showed, he shows affection at time. That is not a, an unmanly thing by any means. Totally. Yeah. Huh? Trustful. Trustful? So he's trustworthy. If he says he's going to do something, then what is he going to do? It's going to do right? And you and I, we know these types of things, uh, what a good father would be. Give me a couple more. Yeah. Funny. Funny okay. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got a good sense of humor for sure. Yeah. Kind. Supportive. Supportive. Right. He doesn't just shoot you down with your ideas or your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. He helped <laughs> for sure. Caring, all these things, right? No, I definitely, I put down some of those. Protects, provides, cares, corrective, but gentle, patient, thoughtful, strong, aware. And you see, all those things that we have in mind, your father, no matter how awesome of a dad he is, he does not perfectly fit those things. But there is one who does, and that is God, our heavenly father. He has a perfect balance of all those things. He is not too uh, too kind where he just lets you get away with anything. But God sometimes steps in and needs to be corrective. He, he protects, he provides, he's present, right? A good dad is there. And you see, the question is for you and I today, what kind of father do we believe God is? Do we, b- we believe he's a good father? Do we believe that God cares for us? That he's willing to protect and provide for us? We need to, this morning, believe in what kind of God uh, he's, what kind of father that God says he is in his word. And you see, for you and I, Jesus is our model, right? He is our example. That as we look at him, that, that is what we should uh, base our life off of. And Jesus, when he was here, uh, and what we have recorded in the gospels, he referred to God as his father over 150 times. And that's just what's recorded that he referred to God as his heavenly father. And so how much you and I should have a full grasp and understanding of all of what that means. And this morning, we're gonna look at four things uh, that uh, how God is that father to us, how he is that perfect and good uh, heavenly father to us. There's many more, but we're just gonna focus on four, okay? And I want you to take notes and write these down. The first one is we're gonna look at is that our heavenly father provides. Now, our heavenly Father provides. And you can go to the the next slide. I want you guys to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. But before you do that, everyone put your hands up. Now, go like this. Okay, you know what this is? This is finger preparation. Okay, we're doing some exercises because you're going to be flipping around in your Bible a little bit. So be on it. Okay, so Matthew chapter 6. If you guys have your Bibles, please turn there. And uh, we're going to turn to a handful of different places as we go throughout the study this morning. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is, uh, is what you and I would refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. This is a time where Jesus was teaching specifically his disciples. Specifically his audience at this time was those that believe in him and, and were following him at the time. And he began to talk to them at the end of chapter 6 about worry. Everyone say worry. worry. That he, he began to talk to them about worry, and he, he was encouraged them not to do it. He says, you don't need to worry about where the next meal is coming from. You don't need to worry about food or clothing because, and, and he begins to use some analogies. He begins to use illustrations. He says, look at the birds of the air. If you look at the birds, they don't, they're not just there worried about where their food is. Is coming next. No, they're happy, right? If you've ever seen birds, they're typically chirping away and uh, they're like, okay, what's, you know, what's the next thing of the day? They're not worried about what's next. And God says, if, if Jesus says to the disciples, if God the Father feeds and clothes and takes care of the birds of the air, how much of more value are you? And he comes to this point and he begins to say, this is a matter of faith, but this is what I want to focus on. Look at verse 32 of Matthew chapter six, verse 32. Jesus comes to this point. He says, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly fathers knows that you need all these things. And that's something I want you to focus on, that your heavenly father knows what you need for each and every one of you. He knows the things that you need, and, and this is something that, uh, for us, for, for us humans, our parents learn over time. That they begin to learn over time what their child needs. Right at first, when they come, when they when they first have their child, when they first had you, they were no doubt freaking out probably a little bit. If you're the first one, for sure. Like, hey, I don't really know what I know. He needs to be fed and changed, but he's screaming, and I don't know what he wants. But then over time, your parents get better. You see, I was the third child in my family. So by by the time I came around, I'm sure my parents were like, okay, yeah, this is what he wants. And right over time, they begin to learn what their child needs. But you see, God, he's already known. He knows you. The Bible describes that God isn't getting to know you better. You're getting to know him better. But you see, God already knows you. Psalm chapter 139 speaks about how God knows your thoughts before you think. He knows when you lay your head down at night. He knows the very number of hairs on your head, the Bible says. You see, our Heavenly Father knows these things, and Jesus is using this to show God will provide the things that you need. So many people worry and, and have anxiety about the things that you think you need. But the Bible says that we're to come to our Father who provides everything. I want you now to just look down a little bit farther to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. And I want you to note that down as well in your note-taking. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. It should just be a few verses down. If you look in these verses, he brings up this concept of heavenly Father again with the disciples. You can read it with me. We're going to read from verse 7 to 11. Jesus says this. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven... Who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. You see, Jesus now goes from the need. You see, God doesn't just know what you need and is willing to provide for you and promises to do so, but God knows how to give good gifts, the Bible says. That God actually wants to bless you and and give you joy. He really does. And He knows actually what will give you more joy and contentment more than you even know. That sometimes we ask for things and we think these things will now give me joy. These things will bring me contentment. And then we receive them and we're like, okay, that didn't really work. And so on to the next thing. You see, God knows not just the things that you need, but the things that will make you joyful and content. And the Bible says that we can ask and seek and knock and that we have this good father who provides for us because our God is in heaven. And he, Jesus, I don't know if you caught it. Hopefully you did when, when, when I was reading it. But you see, Jesus uses the illustration of an earthly father. He says, look, what de- halfway decent dad, if you go to them and you say, hey, dad, could I have some bread? And he's like, sure, son. And he goes and gets a rock from outside, lathers some butter on it, and then serves it up to you. That, w- that would be very cruel and mean, right? or if you go and you're hey dad can i get a can i get a sandwich can i get a can i have some fish he he uses back here and then if the the dad then gives them a serpent no one does that typically when you say hey dad i'm really hungry he's like okay like you know let's let's make you let's make dinner let's make food god says look if if your earthly father knows how to even good good give good gifts and do these nice things for you how much more, if God is perfect, will he do these things for you? You see, God is willing and wanting and desiring to provide for him. And everything that's good in our lives is attributed to God. Don't believe me? Well, look at James chapter 1, verse 17. It will be on the screen. You don't have to turn there. But the Bible says this, that every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Think about anything good in your life, your bed. That's a good thing, hopefully. I don't know why I can only think of a bed right now, but right, think about good things in your life. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift is only because God is good. Now the Bible, now you might ask, well, why do people that don't believe in God have good things? Well, the Bible does say that the rain falls not only on the just, but also on the unjust. But I do believe there are special blessings for you and I. And it's not always ha- having to do with material things. It goes beyond that. But thank God the Bible says here, do you see where it says that there's no variation or shadow of turning? Do you guys know what a variation means? Yeah. Change, right? A, a variety. Think about a variety pack. That means there's like multiple different kinds. There's not multiple different versions of God. God doesn't go through mood swings, God doesn't is one day and then uh, you know a different the other, you know how your even your even your earthly dad, sometimes your dad can be in a bad mood, right? Sometimes he can be in a really good mood. You see, God is always the same, and He provides for us. He is steady, and thank God that He is He never changes and He's never different. And so, number one, our heavenly Father provides. Number two, our heavenly Father protects. Our Heavenly Father protects. That was also something that you guys mentioned as we talked about what a good father would do. Most certainly, God is a protector. Turn to John chapter 10, verse 29. So if you guys were in Matthew, turn over just three books the last of the Gospels, uh, the book of John, chapter 10, verse 29. That God is our protector. John chapter 10, verse 29. You guys good? Following along? Are you lost? Kind of? Okay. Kind of? okay. John, John chapter 10. Let me know when you're there. Okay, you're there. John chapter 10, verse 29 says this. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. See, at this moment, Jesus is speaking to the disciples And he says to them, he's talking with them, and he says, look, my father, you are in my father's hands. And my father, God, is greater than anyone and anything in the entire universe. He's the creator of all. And if you're in his hand, ain't nothing, ain't no one can come and snatch you out. Now, does this mean that nothing bad will ever happen to you? Does it mean you won't ever get hurt or you won't ever be in a car accident? Simply no. But what this does mean is that nothing happens outside of God's sovereignty or control. And you ask, well, why did, why did God let this happen then? Or why did God let this hap- or let this thing happen or that thing? It's a good question. And there are answers to those. And sometimes, sometimes there's simply not. But I can promise you this. Is that that thing that might have happened in your life, and you feel like, well, where was God's protection? Why didn't he keep me from this? This very real reality is that God lets, he just lets things play out at times. You see, you and I have free will and God will not violate that. And so when someone does something bad to you, it's not that God uh, you know, put it in that person for them to do something bad to you. You see, God's protection means something so much more that even when difficult things happen, God is there and God is working. And there is purpose and there is reason. What is the worst thing that someone could do to you? Kill you, right? And what happens for the believer when they die? So they go to heaven. You see, I want you to, I want you to think about that for a moment is that the very worst thing that someone can do to you is actually literally the best thing that could possibly happen to you. To be in heaven, to be with your father. Now, does that mean we should go and seek death? No, does that mean we should be crazy and jump out of airplanes without a parachute? No, God will let you die, he will, okay? However, the Bible says that there is an appointed day for you to die, meaning God knows that very day. And if your time is not yet, no, no one and nothing can get in the way of what God's plan is. And so it's not that you're invincible and you can go out and stand in front of a car and be like, I'm, you know, I'm gonna survive this because God can protect me. However, no one can take your life without God's, in a sense, hand of, of not approval, but that it, it's been filtered through his hand. And so, God is protecting. God says that we are to go to him. And he does. And he, and oftentimes there are these moments in life where he does step in. And you maybe you've heard about them. They're called miracles. Right? And sometimes they happen and we don't even know that they happen. A miracle is just when the supernatural enters the natural. When a car crash happens and that person should have been dead and it makes no sense that they're not because their seat is crushed, yet they're here standing alive. How did that happen? Well, maybe their time wasn't yet. You see, God is able and he is powerful to do absolutely anything. Psalm 18 verse 1 says this, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust, my shield and horn of salvation, my stronghold. Do You guys see all those terms in there? That he is our shield. He is our deliverer. That the Bible actually says that God is, is you and I, He is our Avenger. I Meaning that say something does, something, someone does something bad to you. Or someone, someone say kills you in this life, they murder you, and now you're in heaven. You see, that God will not just let that go. Whether it's in this life or in the life to come, you see, God is our avenger, he is our protector, he is our shield, and so we need to trust him. We need to trust him that. Uh, for for everything, that he knows what he's doing because he's not just our provider, but he is our protector. You see, God continually throughout scripture, he assumes, sorry, he assures his people that he's going to be with them and stay with them. You see, like kind of like a parent would with a child, that he reassures us over and over again that he's going to be there, right? Think about when a child is, is scared at night maybe you have a little brother or sister, maybe you're still, you know, scared of the night, right? And they, and you're kind of nervous and you need a, a nightlight or, you know, maybe when you're younger, you were nervous to go to bed and, and your parents would assure you, hey, I'm right down the hall, right? Hey, I'm right here. And they would begin to assure you with their presence, right? They would say, they would assure you that, hey, I'm, I'm right here and I'm not going anywhere. And so, And God says this, Hebrews chapter 13, verse five, for he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will fear not what can man do to me. You see, even for Christians that are in other countries and they experience persecution, they experience even that they get martyred for their faith. They don't have to be afraid. Because even if, if they were to take their life, you see, they're, they're not gone. They're not dead. Their life is not over. You see, God is our protector. He is with us always, and he'll never leave us or forsake us. And that includes in your pain. That includes in your hurt. And so God is our pro- provider, protector. And our third one that we'll look at is he is our, heaven, our heavenly father is personal, that God is not only saying, I'm going to provide for you and protect. You see, a good father doesn't just provide food on the table and protect, right, from outside um, enemies, right? And a lot of fathers can maybe do that. And they can even say they're good at that. But it, it's a lot more difficult to be personal. It takes a lot more intentionality to be intentional with you and caring. Someone even mentioned Loving. Right? Sometimes we think of fathers that, that, you know, the father in the house, you can't come to them with any advice. You can't come to them with anything because they're just going to, you know, they're just, they just provide and they put the, the food on the table. But hopefully, you see, a good father is someone who, who also is willing to listen to you. Is also is, is caring. And when you, when you have concerns and you have things, they want to speak to you. They want to talk with you. There's that personal connection i want you guys to turn if you have not already to romans chapter 8 verse 14 and 15 uh if when you're there i want you to say word okay say with a little more like emphasis though that was still weak but that's okay we'll work on it romans chapter 8 You start turning there if you're not there already romans chapter 8 verse 14 and 15 if you guys can stop talking just right there thank you Romans chapter eight, verse 14 and 15 says this. It says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And those can be, this passage of scripture can be a little confusing. It's like, wait, what's going on? The Bible says here that for as many as are led by God's spirit, they would be sons of God. It's talking about a connection here with the Holy Spirit, it says this, that, that you and I, that God, when he said, I'm going to put my spirit in you, he said, he did not give us a spirit of fear, meaning that we are not to be afraid. Why? Because he's given us the spirit of adoption. That you and I, when we were born into this world, we're not automatically in God's family. It's not how it works. Though you might have heard the phrase once before that, oh, everyone is God's children. That's not true that God's family is in a sense exclusive. Now, anyone can join at any time, but right they have to be willing to put their faith and trust in Jesus. And at that point, the spirit comes in and they're then joined into God's family. They are now considered sons and daughters. But in a sense, that is the adoption process where, they were, where you and I were once not in God's family and now we are brought in. That God has opened his arms to an outsider, and that is you and I. But it says that God's spirit in us, it cries out, Abba, Father. Like, what, is, what does that mean, Ab, Abba, Father? It's a very personal term. It's not translated very well within our text, but it's kind of like when you call your, your father dad, right, or daddy. There's a very personal element to it. And you see here, by God giving us his spirit, and specifically the spirit of adoption, God says, I now give you the right to call me dad. Do you think it'd be weird if you just went up to a random stranger and called them daddy? It'd be weird, right? They would look at you like you probably have six heads and there's something really wrong with you. And they would probably ask, where is your dad? Because you're weird, right? But you see, God isn't a stranger to you and I. And he even says, look, I don't want you to just come to me and say, well, heavenly father, I need this today. But God says, I want there to be personal connection. You can call me dad, in a sense. You can call me daddy. That's something, and especially for you girls, that you would, I hope, reserve for only your father. It's something sweet, in a sense. Galatians 4, 6 says something very similar. He says, because you are sons, and you look on the screen, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. In a sense, God's Spirit kind of provokes us and saying, look, you can, you can talk to God like that. God has now given you the right. He's given you the allowance that you don't just have to call him God, but you can call him Dad. You see the difference? It becomes from informal uh, to informal. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. He has given us the right He has given us the allowance. He said, yep, go ahead. I actually not just will allow you to call me this, but I want you to. He desires that with us. Even that you guys know about the model prayer that Jesus gives our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? I'm sure you're a little bit familiar with it. Think about the first line, our father who's in heaven. Jesus says, before you start praying, before you start talking to God, call him father. Call on him as if you were to ask your dad for something. Hopefully, you have a dad who's not too scary to ask for things. Sometimes dads can be scary to ask for things, but see, God is is not that way. He's perfect. He is a personal God. And so, not only does he provide, not only does he protect, not only is he personal, but last one, our Heavenly Father is patient. And this one, I gotta say, is, is just about my favorite. That God is so. Patience with you and I. I was just speaking to someone on Friday who, uh, because of just things that have been ha- happening in their life, um, they've been really down lately. And I and I started asking them, and I asked them a question. I said, "Do you feel like God's disappointed in you?" Guys, stop talking. I said, "Do you feel like God's disappointed in you?" And they said, "Yeah, I feel like I feel like he's a, like just upset with me. Like he's not mad or angry, but he's just disappointed." And I told them that, God, it is impossible for God to be disappointed in you. Did you know that? Because disappointment comes with the element of surprise. That someone is disappointed with someone when they have certain expectations and they fail to meet those, but they thought they were going to. But God knows the beginning. He knows the end at the beginning. He knows everything. He sees your life from day one all the way to your last breath here on earth. And so there's nothing that you do that surprises God. It's not like God was like, okay, I think think they're actually going to get it this week. They're going to stop talking back to their parents. They're going to begin to invest into spiritual things. And And then he sees that you don't. He's like, oh, I'm so disappointed with them. No, he knew. And God is not angry or upset with us when we do that. We're his children. But God's attitude towards us is open arms. Everyone go like this. At all times, God has his arms open. Now, sometimes before he says, come, there's things that need to be right. But He always, not before he says, come, he says, come. And then he says, I need to deal with things before we get personal, before we get close. Typically that has to do with sin. But God always has his arms open. He's always letting us come back when we stray. God's patient with us. Maybe for you, maybe you have an impatient dad. And maybe he gets angry really quick. Maybe he lashes out on you. Guys, you got to stop talking, okay? Thank you. But you see, God is very patient. Very patient. I want to share with you guys Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 32. Uh, You can turn there. I would like you to turn there if you can. Luke chapter 15 is a, is a story that Jesus tells. It's a parable. It's not a true story, um, but it is a illustration that, Je- that Jesus uses for his disciples. And there's lots of different things to pull out from it. It's the parable of the prodigal son. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a story of, uh, of a son who uh, wanted to take his, his inheritance early and, and leave. Basically, he was wanting the money that he would get when his dad... Uh, was dead. And he said, I know you're not dead yet, but can I have that money that you are going to give me when you do die? Because I want to leave and I just want to blow it on things. I want to go to Vegas and just live up a life of sin. And so his son, and so his dad actually says, okay, the son gets the money, goes and, and blows it all on what the Bible says is prodigal living. It's just wasteful. He just wasted it. And one day he could have blown maybe, you know, a couple grand on nothing. Lotto tickets and cigarettes, or something. I don't know. But right, and so he blows all this money and, and he gets to this point where the Bible says that he he looks at the ground and uh, he begins to um, have a job as a pig farmer and he sees what the pig is eating. It's disgusting. And he, he starts to get jealous of the pig because the pig looks happier than him. He says, Oh my gosh, I, if I could only eat the pig's food, I actually would because I'm so hungry. He gets to rock bottom and he gets to this point where he, said, he has this thought and he says, Oh, I wonder you know, this is so bad, I'm hungry. I wonder if I just go back to my dad and though I blew him off, maybe if I just become one of his hired servants, if I could just come on, I'll work for him and then I could just have a place to stay. I could have food in my belly. And so he comes back and, and I want you to read it. Luke chapter 15, I forgot to turn there. Luke chapter 15, we're just gonna read, I want you to read verse 20 through 24 with me. Comes to this point where he comes back to his father and it says this, verse 20, Uh, he's on his way back and he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put on a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. You see, there's, there's lessons that we can take from the son, but today I want you to see the father because the father in this story represents God, our father. This represents one of his, his characteristics that he is forgiving that he is patient, that he does not get disappointed, that he simply, when we're away from him, he is not mad or angry, he simply wants you to come back. He is slow to anger, the Bible says, abounding in mercy. He is a forgiving God. And so these things, these are some of the things that that show and represent God as our Father, that he provides, that he protects, that he's personal, and that he's patient. You see, God is a father to the fatherless, the Bible says, that even if you have the best dad in the world or one that's not in your life at all, God is a father to the fatherless. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we thank you for this time. God, we thank you for being our father, Lord. And as today is Father's Day, Lord, we want to love on you. We want to think about you. We want to do something special for you and so Lord, what can we do? Lord, all all we can do is just offer our lives. All we can do is is thank you. And so, God, we thank you now. Lord, we pray as we we go and, and this day, Lord, would you remind us of who you are? Would you remind us your good nature towards us, that you're not this angry, wrathful, strict God, but you are perfect in balance, slow to anger, abounding in mercy, wanting the best for us, And so, God, we love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name.